Baptism is this terrific, multi-dimensional, multi-layered event that says, I've received from God discipleship. I've received from Jesus salvation and adoption into his family, atonement for my sins. Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Each week I visit with Wes McAdams, minister and author, and together we explore biblical passages and topics. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, Wes, so uh, we're back. We've it's had a little bit a of a break. It's been a long break. It I don't even, I don't remember how to do this anymore. I know. <laughs> it feels like we haven't done one in a long time, so I'm excited to be Me too. back at the microphones with you, Travis. Me too. We've got a, uh, a great question for today. Um, this is from Renee. And she says, good morning. I really enjoyed your podcasts and I'm looking forward to the next one. I have two college age boys who are working through their own salvation and questioning at what point we are saved at the point of faith, or do we really have to be baptized to be saved? They do believe one should be baptized, but it's an act of obedience that follows true faith. They point to several verses that state we are saved by faith slash belief, justified by faith and belief, promises uh, promise is to those who believe. They say true faith produces obedience and we should be baptized, but the point of salvation is faith only, which they're interpreting as a verbal confession. Would love to hear a podcast on this, or you may have already have something that you could reference me to. Thank you so much for your work and example. Okay, well, obviously that's a, a terrific question, and it's one that people have wrestled with for a very long time, um, not just in what I would call the restoration movement uh, period in the United States, but also all the way back to the Reformation movement. Um, and I think that a lot of a lot of this debate and the way we tend to think about things, uh, it goes all the way back to uh, the Reformation movement. Um, because, of course, um, by the time, like, Martin Luther came along in, like, the 1500s, um, there was there was a, a, a big pushback against the the ritualism of the of the Catholic Church right and Catholicism um, that that emphasized um, the quote sacraments um, and the rituals to um, to bestow blessings and salvation from the church the way they would think about it is like the church has the treasury of all of God's blessings and that they, can reach into that treasury and give it to whoever they want to. And so the, the priests could bestow these blessings through the sacraments on, um, on the people. Um, what that really missed out on, though, um, is individual personal faith. And, and, and so you had people that were, you know, sprinkled as a child— um, obviously the Catholic Church would call that baptism, um, which we could talk about adult baptism versus child baptism, but um, so, so they would sprinkle a baby as a child, and then that, that person would live their life um, believing that they were a Christian um, and that they were saved simply because the Church said they were saved, but there wasn't necessarily personal faith on, on the part of the that person. Um, and when you look at scripture, you see that that was emphasized, personal faith. Um, and so there was this big pushback. And so the Reformation movement 
really emphasized that we're saved by faith alone, by by faith in Jesus. Um, and they push back against the idea that it was bestowed through these rituals or through uh, or through works um, on on the part of the believer or by the church or whatever. And so uh, there really was this this emphasis on faith. Well, you know, I mean, I, I always want to kind of push back and say, hmm, is it really that kind of a, di- a, a dichotomy that it's either through yeah. the ritual of baptism, the ceremony of baptism, or through personal individual faith. What if it's both? What if what if the Catholic Church, um, and I don't mean to pick on the Catholic Church, but what, what if what if those who practice infant baptism and they're baptizing, they're they're going through a ceremony and the individual does not have personal faith. And, and obviously they would push back and say, well, but the parents have faith. Okay. Right. Um, but, but that individual does not have faith, I believe. And again, some of those who practice infant baptism would argue that maybe the infant does, but at least not confessed faith, right. um, which is what Romans 10 would, would talk about. But so, so the individual doesn't have personal faith, but they go through the ceremony of baptism and the other side would push back and say, no, 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 it's just personal faith. The ceremony and what they would call work has nothing to do with it. And I just kind of want to push back and say, well, what if? What if those who practice the faithless ceremony um, are wrong in that there's no personal faith, but then also those who practice the faith-filled lack of ceremony um, are wrong in that they've rejected the significance of this this event, this ceremony, this ritual um, that that scripture really does put a lot of emphasis on, and so you just gotta you gotta look at all of these things and 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 realize sort of the reason why we feel like faith only is is the the case um, is because of the two thousand years of church history that we've gone through. And go back to scripture and say, okay, well, what does what does scripture say about it? And that's that's really what, what we want to get to is what does scripture have to say about this issue? And when you 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 go to scripture first, you have to understand that this conversation was not taking place in the first century. Mm-hmm. Nobody was having this conversation. Yeah, can I be saved by Jesus without being baptized? That's not a question that anybody seems to be asking in the first century church. That's not a question that the apostles are addressing in the first century church. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that that's simply not the context of any of the the verses that we have, the the text that we have at our disposal. But can we answer that question with Scripture? And I think that we can. Um, and 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 you, when you look at Scripture and you you start to look at those passages, and Renee in her original email she quoted a lot of she made reference to a lot of um, Scripture references. One would be like Romans chapter ten nine and ten that says, "With the mouth one confesses, uh, what, you know, with the heart they believe, and with the mouth they confess." Let's look at that text. Romans ten uh, nine and ten. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so they would look at that and say, well, see there, that that proves. Uh, All you have to do is believe and confess, and if you believe and confess, then you're saved. That's what Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. But again, (laughs) 
we have this tendency to pull things so out of context that we're like, well, wait, what was Paul talking about? To whom was he talking? What was the context of their conversation? Well, in the context of the conversation, the context of Romans is all about Jews and Gentiles and how they're all the family of Abraham by faith in Jesus, that they're all part of the same family and they need to welcome and accept each other in spite of their cultural and ethnic differences. They need to accept each other in Christ because anyone who puts their faith in Jesus is saved. So that, I mean, that brings up, what does Paul mean by that? What does he mean by, you know, this passage here, Ephesians chapter two and verse 20, when he says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works so that no one can boast. What does Paul mean when he talks about so often? And again, there's a there's a plethora of, of verses where Paul talks about being saved by faith. And I would even say, yes, by faith alone in Jesus. But what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be saved by faith alone? Well, in his context, he means you're not saved by Jesus and keeping the Torah. You're not saved because you're a Christian and because you're a Jew. Right. As if it takes both. He's saying if you are a follower of Jesus, you are saved. If you believe these things and you entrust yourself to Jesus, you are saved. And then you look at the 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 passages on baptism specifically. Galatians chapter 3 is a terrific passage to, to think about the connection between faith in Jesus and baptism. And so he's talking about what Paul almost always was talking about, and that's you don't have to follow the law of Moses in order to be part of the family of Abraham. You could be part of the saved family of Abraham simply by putting your faith in Jesus. So he says in Galatians 3, starting in verse 23, he said, Before faith came, we were held captive under the law. So the Jews, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. <laughs> He's yeah. all part of one sentence yeah. or one, one idea. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the guardian of the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's not either or. It's not either you're saved by faith or you're saved by baptism. Yeah. It's... This is what baptism is. Baptism is a declaration of faith in Jesus. It is the moment, Paul puts it, that you're clothed with the Messiah. You're clothed with Jesus. In Romans 6, he talks about it as this uniting ceremony where you're united with Jesus by faith. Yeah. And so we have to understand that the word pistis, faith, is about more than belief. Does it include belief? Yes. But we, man, again, I think since the 1500s, we've really misunderstood what pistis means. Mm. In fact, and I think a lot of people don't understand this, that when when you're reading your New Testament and you run across the word faithfulness and the word faith, so like in Galatians 5, when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the aspects or characteristics of that fruit is faithfulness. And then at other times, like here in Galatians 3, when he says faith, 
we look at those two words and we say there's a big difference between faith and faithfulness. Yeah. Like if I say, do you have faith? You say, well, yes, I have faith because you say, well, I believe. And then, but then I say, but are you faithful? Mm. And we say, well, that means like loyal and trustworthy. Right. Well, actually, it's the exact same word, not the same root word. It's the same word. It's pistis. Yeah. And it's just the translators saying, based on context, whether they want to use the word faith or mm. faithfulness. But there is no distinction in the Greek. It's the same thing. And so, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus? It means you have pledged your loyalty and given your loyalty to Jesus. You're loyal to Jesus. You belong to him. And so are we saved by pistis in Jesus? Yes. Only pistis in Jesus? Yes. It's not about your faithfulness to the Torah. It's not about your faithfulness to anything else, but your faithfulness, your allegiance, your loyalty, your trustworthiness to Jesus, your King and Messiah. Now, what does that have to do with baptism? Well, kind of everything mm-hmm. in that that's the moment that you are pledging your loyalty to Jesus. It's the moment you're united with Jesus, Romans 6, in baptism. It's the moment, First uh, Peter 3.21, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, it's the moment where this forgiveness and this um, exodus from the old world into the new world, it, it's this pardon the pun, watershed moment where you're going from one life to a new life, a life of loyalty to King Jesus. And so when the Bible says faith, it's not just talking about belief, and it's not just talking about confessing that belief. Of course, when Paul is in Romans 10, which, by the way, comes after Romans 6, (laughs) that's all about baptism, and then he, I mean, because he's talking to a group of Jesus followers, some of which are Jews, some of which are Gentiles. And he's saying, all of you who confess your faith in the Messiah, Jesus, you're all being saved by him. Yeah. Both the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's not talking about this is the way someone becomes a follower of Jesus. He just, he's just saying all of you are being saved by him. All of you are saved by him because you're confessing your faith. And by the way, it's an ongoing confessing and an ongoing faith that you're you're in on a in an ongoing process being loyal to Jesus. So I think that our understanding of faith is so limited that it's more than just believing. Um, it's about loyalty and faithfulness. It's about trusting in him. It's yeah. about saying, You're my king, and I trust you to save me and I trust you to forgive me. And that's what baptism is about too. It's it's an an expression of that faith, and it's the moment at which we um begin our life of discipleship. And we think about what Jesus himself said, Mark chapter 16, uh, 15 and 16, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be condemned. And people say, well, see, he didn't say whoever does not believe and is not baptized is condemned. (laughs) Besides the fact that that would be all kinds of grammatical nightmares. Um, we, we don't, they go hand in hand. Belief and baptism go hand in hand. Belief in Jesus as the Messiah and, and being baptized into him go hand in hand. Nobody was asking, yeah, but do I have to? It's like, why, why would you even, I'm not even sure. Again, it's because of this Catholicism and the rise of what that brought to the world and then the Reformation and the pendulum swing uh, from that that we even ask what, and I don't mean to call anybody who's asking that silly, but I'm saying the question in light of the story of Scripture is sort of silly. Can I be saved without doing 
without going through the ceremony yeah. that Scripture teaches is the moment, at, and then the moment at which we we begin that journey with Jesus. And then people will say, well, what if you're in the desert and there's no water? Or what if you're on an airplane that's about to crash? And I decided a long time ago, I will never build my theology around a hypothetical situation. Mm. God is in charge of salvation. God is in charge of forgiveness. Absolutely, without a doubt. All of those questions, he has the answers to, not me. But what scripture teaches is, if you want to become a follower of Jesus and you want to be forgiven by him and pledge your loyalty to him, the first step of that journey is baptism. Yeah, I was just thinking, years ago, a family member was telling me about a conversation they had with a fellow believer about uh, baptism. And they'd talked and talked and they'd gone through different verses, um, sort of everybody stating their case. Mm-hmm. And uh, as those things can often kind of, can often be. And then the, the person said, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't think God would require something like that. And I, I have thought a lot about that. And ever since then, I always think of a passage in, in the Old Testament that really helps me understand baptism and more than anything, appreciate my, what my role is in it. And I think of Second Kings uh, chapter 5, where Elisha has, uh, has been sort of commissioned by, uh, I believe, an Assyrian general Naaman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he has leprosy. Yeah. And uh, they, they send a messenger, and or Naaman comes to him with gold and gifts and, and to pay him for it. And Elijah just says, go and wash seven times in the Jordan. Right. And Naaman's offended, and he storms off. Right. And, and finally, uh, this is my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, if you can have a favorite, uh, in Second Kings 5.13. Uh, but his servants came near and said to him, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? Um, and the idea being that, you know, it, I know in some translations it says, if he asked you to do some great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like climb to the top of a mountain yeah, or and then, bring me the tooth of a dragon yeah. or, you know, something. And then, and then you'll be healed. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't you do that in a heartbeat? Right. Right. But instead, and I think it taps into something about us yeah. as humans. Yeah. That's like, he's asked us to do the simplest of things. Yeah. To wash and be clean. And, and I know you make this point a lot that that baptism is you know a, a, even if i can't understand what god's reasoning is behind mm-hmm. why why do we need to be baptized i think that's sometimes the question that people are tempted to ask yeah 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 but again what's my role in it what's my role as somebody who wants to be a follower of jesus and it's this reenactment yes. of the death burial and resurrection of yes. jesus yes yes yeah, absolutely. I think you, you, you hit on so many great things, and I love the story of Naaman, and, and I, love, I love how it's, you've got to understand, we've got to understand that this isn't, this isn't a work like a, some meritorious type right. of a, a thing that, that we're like, you go do this great thing and you'll, you'll earn your salvation, you'll deserve it. And it's like, no. And I, and I think some people actually do kind of think about it like that, like when we tend to think about you know, I don't like terms like the plan of salvation or mm. the five steps of salvation. I don't like those terms as if if I cross off all of these these boxes on a checklist yeah. that I've somehow earned earned the right. I've worked my way up a ladder. I've even seen, you know, the salvation portrayed as like a staircase where you take one step at a time and, and you you get all the way up to the top and, yeah. and then you're you're saved. And it's like, no, that's not this is a 
this is receiving something by faith. Mm-hmm. And that's what baptism is. In fact, it's it's actually a passive verb to be baptized. It's not baptized for the forgiveness of sins. It's not like you go baptized for the forgiveness of sins. That's an active verb. Right. But this is a passive verb that you allow yourself to be baptized. You allow yourself to be washed. You allow yourself to be cleansed. So it's actually the most passive part of what we're told to to quote unquote do because yeah. we don't actually do it it's done to us it's something that we receive and we're not only receiving baptism in that we're being baptized by a baptizer but we're, we're receiving salvation and forgiveness because we're placing our trust our faith in jesus the messiah and we're receiving from him salvation and forgiveness we are colossians chapter 2 we're being raised from the dead by Jesus yeah. in baptism. And so it it it's an it's an act of of trust and it's an act of receiving something. I mean, again, I mean we could come up with all kinds of metaphors. It's like if if someone said, you know, I, I got a brand new car for you and I got the keys right here, just come pick it up. And you're like, well, but do I have to come pick up the keys? <laughs> like do I still get the car if I yeah. don't pick up the key? And you're like, wait, what? That seems like a lot of work. Right, yeah. Exactly. Are, are you saying I'm earning my yeah. my car by coming to pick no i'm not saying that i'm just saying it's right here you can have it yeah Go, come get it you know but but i but i trust you that you've already given it to me no like come actually pick up the keys yeah and we need that and and this is i think one of the main points every nearly every passage in the new testament about baptism is written to people who have already been baptized hmm. it's not text to unbaptized people right. saying, hey, you need to get baptized so that you can be saved. Most of the time we talk about baptism, it's to unbaptized people to tell them, hey, get baptized. But most of the time the apostles spoke of baptism, it was to people who were already baptized to remind them, this is what you've been through. Yeah. You went through this exodus moment. And for the baptized person, it is like the exodus was to the Israelites. Do you remember when God brought you out of slavery and through the Red Sea? He baptized you in the sea. He, he, he brought you out of slavery and into freedom. Do you remember when that happened to us and to our people? And they would remember it constantly. They would take the Passover meal and they would remember, this is where we came from. This is the, the baptism through which we went in the Red Sea. And our baptism is that way. And, and that's how Paul or Peter would remind them of their baptisms to say, you are a baptized person. You are a follower of Jesus. You are being saved by Jesus. You've pledged your loyalty to Jesus. Jesus has raised you from the dead. You've clothed yourself with the Messiah. And so these texts are reminders. This is who you are, and Mm -hmm. you know because you were there. And we need that. We need that moment, that that watershed moment of saying, I remember. I remember when God saved me. I remember when he brought me out of my old life and into this new life. We have to have that watershed moment that says, I know I've been delivered. And it's it's tangible. It's real. I can. I remember the way the water felt when I went down into the water of baptism, and I need that to anchor. Not not like I know I'm saved because I got into the water. No, no. It's 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 like it's so very much like the the Lord's Supper, the communion. We need something physical and tangible 
to, to remember this is the story I'm a part of. I'm a part of the story of the people of Abraham. I'm a part of the story of Jesus the Messiah, and I trust him that he has delivered me. So salvation is past tense, that I have been saved. It's also present tense, that I am being saved, and it's future tense, that he will save me on that day. Mm-hmm. And so baptism is this terrific multi-dimensional, multi-layered event that says, I've received from God discipleship. I've received from Jesus salvation and adoption into his family, atonement for my sins. I've reenacted, like you said, I've reenacted the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, Romans 6. And and now I've been raised up to walk in newness of life. And I'm, I'm a part of that new creation. So, you know, Will God save anyone who wasn't baptized, or do I have to get baptized, or what's going to happen if I believe but I'm not baptized? You know, frankly, those are questions that that just aren't specifically answered. But what is specifically answered is, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, and you want your sins to be forgiven— this is what you need to do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So why, why are we still arguing about yeah. it? Let's let's do it. And I, I agree with, you know, Renee's sons that say that that uh, faith or, or salvation produces obedience. Yes, absolutely, that we work because we are saved, not in order to be saved. But baptism is never put in those terms in that it's a work at all. And yeah. I mean, work, yeah, I guess it's something that you do, but it's not a work like, like I hope God is pleased with this, and I hope that this, you know, does what it's supposed to. It's not like that. It's a it's a receiving of something. It's a, a, a passive receipt of salvation and saying, I trust you, and I'm going to be buried with Jesus, and I trust you that you're going to raise me up to walk in a brand new way of living. I want to thank my church family, the Church of Christ on McDermott Road, and our editor, Travis Pauly, for making this podcast possible. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I also want to invite you to check out Logos Bible Software, who has partnered with us to give our listeners a great discount. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash Logos, L-O-G-O-S. I think you'll love the software and you'll get a great discount by using that link. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.